Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope, with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today's message is entitled, Faith That Knows Grows. And now, here is Pastor Ralph. Genesis, the 15th chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 15. Uh, we're talking about faith that keeps on growing. That's our series. We're working our way through the life of this man named Abraham, who the Bible calls the father of all who believe. He is such a strong role model that the scriptures use that term to describe his life. And, and tonight I titled the message, Faith That Knows Grows. You know, if you know what's going on in terms of your relationship with God, you know what's going on in terms of what he's trying to do in, in the larger world around you, and you know what's going on in terms of where we fit in revealed history. You know, by that I mean God revealed a lot of history in advance through the prophets. And where do we stand now with regard to what's coming down? When, when you know what's going on and you know where you fit in, then you're in a position for your faith and your confidence in the Lord to grow. And the Bible tells us that the more we know of God, the more that we know of His Word, the more that our faith is going to grow and we're going to be strong. We're going to be people who don't wake up with anxiety attacks in the middle of the night, you know? Uh, that we feel safe and secure in our relationship with the Lord. We're praying and our prayers are being answered consistently, and we're able to look and go, wow, you know, there, there's something going on in my life of huge value and a spiritual plane. And that's where we want to be, a faith that grows. But I, I want to start out in Genesis 15 talking about fear. We're talking about faith, but tonight I want to, I want to flip over and, and start out by talking about fear. And the question that I ask in the teaching notes, there's notes that are there in your bulletin, and they, they correspond to the message uh, by the way, they correspond also to what goes on. We put the put longer notes on the website and all of that. But the question is, is fear unnatural in people of faith? Is fear unnatural in people of faith? And of course, the converse would be, is fear natural in people of faith? See, I think that sometimes we, we have an idea that we come to the Lord and we get a shot of godliness and that ought to be enough to just keep us. And everything ought to be hunky-dory from there on, and, and, and nothing should rattle us. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a faith that grows. And when you think about a faith that grows, what you're thinking about is something that starts out in an infancy and then moves to maturity. And that would suggest that there are going to be times in the early stages of faith that we're challenged and, and times that we're a little bit vulnerable. And, and so I thought the best place to go to answer questions like this are the Bible. And as we get into the life of Abram, uh, what we see in verse 1 of chapter 15 is here's the guy that the Bible holds up as the role model of faith, and he's struggling with fear, and God has to come to him and reassure him. Let's read the verse, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. It says, Afterward, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. So, I mean, this isn't just like the quiet voice in your heart. He sees a vision. It says, He spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Now, I always like to take time and just look at specific words and terms here and help you to understand it. But one of, the, one of the, the most obvious words in the whole chapter is the first one. It says, afterward. And I don't really have to define that word for you, but I, I do want to point you to why would it be saying afterward? Well, it's talking about what went just before, right? And, and so you can't really understand chapter 15 without understanding chapter 14. Chapter 14 is where Abram discovers that his nephew Lot and Lot's family have been captured 
by a band of marauding people. Actually, it says that there was a war between five kings and four kings, five kingdoms versus four kingdoms. And the four kings whacked the five kings and they kidnapped all of the people, carried them off into another country where they were gonna be slaves. And we're not talking, I mean, when you think about slavery, we're talking about people being sold into, to their families being separated from each other, people being sold into sex slavery, some very ugly things gonna go on with the lives of these people. And Abram, in a burst of faith mixed with courage, faith in God mixed with his own courage, decides to go out and rescue his nephew Lot. He attacks these four kings in the night and they all run away and all of their armies and he gathers up everything that had been stolen from these people and the people themselves and he rescues them and he brings them back. And then the next thing he does, he's, he's offered by the king of Sodom, a very wicked city, a very wicked man says, just let the people go and you can keep all of their stuff. But the stuff doesn't belong to Abram and that would be a very um, unrighteous thing for him to keep the belongings of those people and leave them stuck in poverty. And so he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to take what belongs to them. I'm not going to take anything from you because I don't want anybody to be able to say, I made Abram rich. If I'm going to be blessed, I'll be blessed by God. Now, so there's two strong stands that he makes. One, the war itself. And then the other is the stand for integrity that costs him something financially. And then it says, afterward, the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, do not be afraid. You got to realize he's experiencing fear is why God comes to him in a vision. He's experiencing fear. I mean, just put it together in your own mind. You just went out and attacked these guys in the night. There's more of them than there are of you. And you had, you know, as soon as the adrenaline wears off, you start to wake up and go, what if they come back? What happens if they come back and they come after me? And suddenly you're choking on terror. And then the second decision about, I can do without what you guys offered me. I'll be fine, thank you. Uh, you might start to wonder, did I make the right decision? Can I live without the money and all of that? And, and so God comes to him at a point where I think as we just read the two chapters together, you have to realize Abram's the great man of faith, but he's struggling with fear. And so the short answer to the question, is fear unnatural in people of faith? No, fear is natural. Fear is always going to be here. Fear is, is though, as we read it through the Bible, a temptation. The choice is always, will I trust God? or will I yield to my fears? And, and the Bible tells us over and over, don't be afraid. And it always puts it in, in a way that it's making a, a command. It's not uh, offering us encouragement. It's God is demanding of us, don't be afraid. In other words, choose courage, choose faith over fear. And, and so he says here, do not be afraid. And I wanna give you a couple of scripture references that'll help you in this choice to not be afraid. Uh, one is in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We'll get into that next week. Uh, and it talks about how we get faith from the Word of God. Another scripture is very much a cousin to that. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where God says that man won't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not enough to have food. You have to have spiritual food. It's not enough to feed your body. You need to feed your inner man. And it's as you begin to peruse God's Word and you get to know Him that you start to have faith that can conquer your fears. And I think the only way for you to know that what I just said is true is for you to experience it. You know, if you're a person who's, who's kind of like so many that I talk to, oh yeah, I love the Lord and I show up in church, but I, I just, I'm not disciplined and I never get in the Bible. I, I just don't read it or I'm not much of a reader. Da, 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 da. Well, then you're kind of on your own in the fear department. But if you're a person who has taken the time ever in your life to really say, I want to come to a place where 
I start to know the promises of God. I want to know the kind of things that God says that are for me, that he'll reassure me with, and that he'll be there for me. Then you found that by nurturing your spiritual man on the, on the bread of life, the scriptures, something happens inside of you, and faith rises up to conquer fear and anxiety and depression in your life. And so the word of the Lord is able to do wonderful things for us, but we have to choose it, and we have to choose to make the stand. He says, do not be afraid. Then he says, I will protect you. And here's a scripture that you could write in your Bible right there where it says, I will protect you. And it's Psalm 27, verses 1, 2, and 3. And it, and it, it says all these strong things about the Lord, and then it says, who should I fear? Who should I be afraid of if God is there and he's on my side? And God says, I will protect you. Literally, in the Hebrew, that phrase says, I will be your shield. It's not just, I will protect you. You know, yesterday, my wife was out early in the morning washing her car, and two dogs came down the street. One's a Rottweiler, and the other, I don't know, looked like a black lab or something. And she's a little nervous. And um, because not too long ago, uh, we had a situation in our neighborhood where a pit bull came at my next door neighbor as she was at the mailbox, and then it came lunging at my wife as she was washing her car, and then I uh, got freaked out by my wife and went back at the neighbor, and, was, and my neighbor's as tall as I am, and was jumping at her throat. And uh, the dog moved real quickly after that, um, but it's not in the neighborhood anymore. But, so now she's a little bit nervous. Well, a few minutes later, the, one of the dogs is challenging her, just standing there in front of our, our house, just barking and barking, and doing this little thing at her. And so, uh, you know, big brave me, I come out and get the big piece of pipe, and I'm ready to do battle. <laughs> And the dog leaves. And, and then I, I come back in the house. I got some things to do. And I go, just call if you need me. Okay? Well, that's great. But just call if you need me. I'm 40, 50 feet away here, right? And I might not hear her. God's not saying, just call if you need me. He's saying, I'll be your shield. A protector can be far off. A shield is right there. Does that make sense? And so that's what he's saying. I'm there. And I'm the buffer zone here, and I go with you where you go. That's reassuring. And then the next phrase in this verse says, your reward will be great. And again, the translators let us down. If you go into the Hebrew language, it, it says literally, God is talking. And he says, I am your strong reward. I'm your reward. In other words, God's not far off in the heavens saying, I will reward you. He's here with you saying, the reward is you got me with you on your side in partnership. And the New Testament Jesus talks about, says, take my yoke upon you and, and learn of me. A yoke like the thing that an oxen pulls. What's he saying? Well, let's get in this thing together. It's, it's, a, it's a two oxen collar, and we'll pull life's load together. I'll be your reward. I'll be your partner. I'll see you through. And so when we come to a place of vulnerability, the first thing that we can know is it is natural to experience faith, to experience fear. It's just going to be there. See, if nothing else, see it as a temptation from the devil to get you off the track of where you need to be. And don't get yourself all bummed out because you have some kind of an anxiety attack or you do struggle with fear. And, and don't start doing this, well, I must not be a very good Christian or this wouldn't be happening to me. Instead, face it, accept it as something natural, and then stand up to it and deal with it and go forward. Choose faith over the fear as fear presents itself. Am I saying that? clearly enough that we can get our, our, our teeth into it. This, there, there are some real practical things here in the scripture. I was reading, a, uh, I'm, I'm getting old enough, you know, my, my, my wife starts subscribing to 
this prevention magazine, you know, you got all the aches and pains of, of being my age. And there was a thing in there talking about men's health. And, and it, was, it was actually, the article was said, you can outlive your wife. And it went on to talk about how men die earlier than women. And, and if you eat right and you do this and you do that. And it starts talking about guys in their 40s and 50s start to hit depression. And they never talk about it. And they hide it. And, and one of the things that it says is, it's exactly what we're always saying. It, there's non-Christians writing this. But they basically said, get in a mini church. They said, get yourself two, three friends that you can open up with and talk to and admit to each other that you're struggling with stuff. And then it pointed you to the doctor. And I was thinking, how much better we are to have the two or three friends to talk to and then have the word of God to feed our, our, our heart and to give us strength and we can strengthen each other. And that when, when fear comes, which will naturally happen, we can stand together and we can stand up and defy it and go on and choose to walk in faith and, and walk in the courage of the Lord. Is this good? Well, let's go to the next question that I put up here. And it is, is it okay to ask hard questions of God? Now, by hard questions, what I mean is, hey, you said you're going to do this. How come it's not happening? That kind of question. Is it okay to ask? Last night, we sort of took a little poll. We had everybody ask each other, is it okay to, to, to question God when things don't seem to be going right? And it came out about half-half. About half the people said, yeah, it's okay to question God. And the other half said, no, you never want to do a thing like that. And um, I think we're going to read again, you know, where do we go for answers? We go to this book that the half said that you can't or shouldn't question God are wrong. It's okay to, 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 to deal with the issues in your life. And it's okay to face disappointment and face God off in the midst of disappointment. Why did this happen? I mean, if he's God, he can handle it. He's not going to be frightened or trembling because you asked him hard questions. And if he's God, he's got answers. And so you see here in, in Abram, God has said these wonderful things, I'll be your reward. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Now the word sovereign means the God who is above all things and can do all things. O God who can do anything, what good are all the rest of your blessings if you didn't even give me the kid you promised? I mean, that's really what he's saying. God, what's up? You said you were going to do this and you never did it. And if you have all the power, how come? You know, ante up here. What is going on? And so, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since I don't have a son, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no heir, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. And according to their custom and their culture, that was true. The law said that if you have no children, no offspring, then somebody who has worked for you faithfully all their life is going to be the person who will inherit everything that's yours. And what he's going is, I have nobody to carry on the family name, and I'm really bummed out. Verse 4, the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to inherit everything I'm giving you. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky, and he told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him to be righteous because of his faith. Okay, God spoke to him and said, I'm, I'm, I'm not done with you yet. We're in process. And I'm going to not only bless you with all these things, I'm going to give you the child that I promised you. It's going to take a while, but I'm here. I'm going to do it. And Abram, the Bible says, believed God. In other words, he entrusted his future to God's safekeeping. I believe that you're a person who keeps your word, and that's good enough for me. I can go ahead and live today and tomorrow knowing that sometime in the future you're going to do these things that you said. And then the Bible says that God declared him righteous because of his faith. Now, 
This is really interesting. The Hebrew word here, declared him righteous. What it means is he fabricated righteousness in his life. To fabricate something means to make something, to build something. You know, I used to, to uh, I went to a weird high school. We had all kind of science and math and shop classes. They were all trying to turn us into aerospace engineers. Uh, I, I instead chose that I was going to be an architect and ended up being a pastor. And, and uh, in, in architecture, you ended up building a house inside of a shop every year. 10th graders built a house. When I was in the 11th grade, I designed a house that actually got built by somebody in the community and got paid for it. It was a very interesting school, but when I started out, I started out on the track uh, to get into engineering, and we had to take machine shop, and, and, and we were always making all kind of stuff for people's cars, you know, it was all the hot rod days, and, and we had these incredibly sophisticated tools available to us, and guys were always, you know, conjuring up something and fabricating this, or, or you know, I remember building a clutch for a, for a go-kart and you're, you, you, can, you can just take raw metal and raw sheet stock and whatever and fabricate pretty much whatever you want to. Well, here's God, and he fabricates righteousness into the life of Abram. Over in the New Testament, the Bible says he, he, he de like deposited righteousness in Abram's bank account in heaven. But this gets more down into the nitty-gritty of God building something into the life of Abraham because Abram trusted God. Now, here's the best way I can say that. Remember we saw that video here earlier? And some of those people in the video came from a pretty rough background. Last night I had a whole bunch of people uh, sitting here, about two rows of people uh, from, from a treatment center. And they're guys that are coming here, and you've got to realize, boy, they're, they're looking and going, is there any hope for me? You know, if, you, if your life has, has been pretty much dominated by alcohol or drugs, there's probably anger and violence in your life that came either from the circumstance around you or from your life in the midst of it, and, and, and you're, on, you're at the end of, is there any hope? And we got to this point where we're talking about God being able to build righteousness in somebody's life. And, and, I, I, and here's, here's the deal. See, if, if sin is me turning off to God and turning away from a relationship with God that's intimate and close, it, what it, sin really is is unbelief in action. I don't believe God is worth anything, so he can do his thing, and I'm going to do my thing. That's sin. Faith is the exact opposite of that. I believe that God has value, and he has value for me, and he could make a difference in my life. Are, are you with me? Abraham believed God. And then what did God do? Give him the rule book and say, no, don't ever mess up here? No. He begins to, to build righteousness into the guy's life. God has a plan for every one of our lives. God knew you before you were born. God knew you when you were a child. God knew you when your life was relatively unblemished. And he had a plan there and said, I want to make this out of you. And you and I missed the plan. We went someplace else. God's plan is still intact. It's still in his mind. And when we're willing to come and embrace him, then he's willing to begin to build that plan into our life. And we may have lost a lot of years. We may have a lot of scars. But God is willing and able to begin to build righteousness. He starts by changing our values. Then he starts to change our habits. Then he starts to change the responses of other people to us. And he makes a whole new life for us. And this is where God wants to take every one of us. And so it says that Abram believed God and God began to build righteousness into the guy. Remember last week we talked about the lack of integrity in Abram? 
Well, see, what happens when you start to walk with God is God starts to change the decisions that you make and the way you feel about things and the way you look at life. And he'll strip the old habits out of your life and start to put some new ones in there. And, and God's grace and mercy begin to follow us and, and walk with us in our lives. Am I making sense? You know, I talked to a couple uh, last week on Saturday night after church, and these are some guys that are dear friends of mine, uh, and I've, but I've known them a long time. And I've known them to be people who really, truly have struggled in their marriage. And it ain't been pretty, but it is now. In fact, it's beautiful now. And what you see is people who came and really didn't know how to have a marriage. You know, they were trying to do the Brady Bunch in miniature. They didn't have that many kids they were bringing together, but they were getting together. There was all the tussle, all the struggle, all the whatever. And they weren't handling it right. But they trusted God. God began to fabricate righteousness in them. How? Starts with values. Starts with desires. Starts with making you go, oh, man, I shouldn't be like that. I should do this. I sure blew it this time. But he builds and he shapes and he, and he comes up with something that's a, a wonderful life. And so um, Abram has asks God the hard questions. God gives him the good answers. Abram believes. And God then has a better handle on Abraham to build life into him and build righteousness in him. The third question I put is right at verse 7. What do we gain from ritual and sacrament. And you're going, now what has this got to do with anything? You'll see in a minute. Uh, verse 7, The Lord told Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that you'll give it to me? Now, Abram's just believed God, and now he's asking God for a sign. You know? Uh, you read the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, and here's Gideon. God sends him on a mission, and Gideon goes, give me a sign that you'll really do this. And God says, okay, and he does the thing Gideon asks, and Gideon goes, well, if you really mean to do it, would you do this? And, you know, there's, but see, here, here's God. God could say, knock it off, buddy. And instead he does, okay, I'll do this. I want you to know that you can trust with me and, and that you can walk with me. So Abram asks one more time. Basically, he's asking for a sign. Uh, oh, God, how will I be sure that you'll give me the thing that you talked about? In other words, what Abram is doing is he's believing God, but it's a faith that's mixed with doubt, much like the faith that you and I often have. I believe, but I'm still struggling. I want to give you a scripture reference. Over in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, there's somebody that comes to the Lord and, and asks for healing for their child. And the guy comes and says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. All in, in the same mouthful. All in the same paragraph. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, I trust you. Help the, the lack of trust that's inside of me. I, I'm, I'm confident in you, but, but, but steady me. You know, I was in Taiwan a couple of years ago, and, you know, Ka'ala, that's getting ready to start the church here, uh, was with me. And, and um, we, were, we were in Kaohsiung Harbor, and we, we got on a little sampan to go across the harbor. And just as we were pushing off, and we're probably like three and a half, four feet away from the dock, a guy on a motor scooter uh, is, uh, missed the boat, and he wants to catch it. And he did exactly what you're afraid I'm going to say he did. He comes zinging right down to the dock and launched himself. As he, as he, as he, as he hit the, 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 the back of the dock, he pops a wheelie, and boom, he's airborne, and he puts it right down on, the, on, the, on this boat. And the sampan is like... It's a narrow little thing, and it's crowded with people. And he saw a vacant spot, and he puts it down and hits the brakes at the same time. He flew out. I mean, it looked like a Jackie Chan movie. And he's right there. I just couldn't believe it. 
I couldn't believe it. Y'all guys, y'all like Jackie Chan? Yeah. One, one of my friends talked to him on the phone this week. Somebody in my mini church talked to Jackie Chan. I touched him after. <laughs> uh, anyway, now, that guy has got faith mixed with faith. Now, his faith isn't in God. It's, it's in his ability to ride that little bike. If my wife got on that sampan, she would be having faith that gets her on the darn thing, and then she'd be having fear that makes her quake the whole time she's there, hanging on to me. She'd be going, Ralph, I got faith. Help my unbelief. You know what I'm talking about? I, I trust that we're going to make it across the harbor. At the same time, I'm filled with torment that we're going to go down. And that's the way some of us come within the process of growth in the Lord. It's coming to faith, and we're struggling to faith. And, and Abram is really right there. He's saying, God, I believe you. Uh, but give me a sign so I know I can believe you. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.